0: But well, we're talking about family, and let me, let me for those of you who are like, I mean, I this is not what I want to talk about, just, just for a second. All of us have people in our lives, whether that's gone well or not, and we need to be to them what Jesus would, would want us to be. So whether you feel like uh, the tagline family applies to you, or when, maybe you're like, I don't want it to apply to you, don't just, you have people in your lives that you are influencing, and I hope that you will... At least go there because God's got something to teach us. So hello to everybody, by the way. The fellows at RCMU, this applies to you. East West Online. Uh, and talking about the family stuff, I was thinking about our family and came to a a really weird observation about our family. I need to tell you about. Uh, here's here's how this goes. So each of our kids, we've designed the rooms, like so nursery, whatever you want to call it. But before they were born, we we. De- Katie decorated. I, I did. I painted, and and so, uh, before before Hayden was born, uh, we're like, okay, here's the theme for his room: be cars and trucks and planes, right? And so, so in his room there were the, different aspects of that, and 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 then um, Ellie came along, and well, uh, I was directed to uh, put. We had dragonflies and insects and animals. Kind of had that just really girly thing going on, and. And, and then Titus, uh, we, we made it kind of a, an ocean water theme. Some of you are like, why are you telling me? Just, just, there's a point. And, and then Bo, most recently, he's got like pine trees and bears and, and wilderness stuff. And, and so each room has looked a little bit different. Here's the weird thing. Katie and I were talking not too long ago, and we're like, wait a minute. Hayden's room decorated in vehicles. And he's the kid that we have who loves vehicles. Like, he could tell you all about all different kinds of cars, always has, still loves them, is a car guy and absolutely loves them. Ellie, animals and insects. And that is her thing. And then Titus, ocean. And you're like, did he become an ocean? No, he's been our fish. Like from the, at the age of two, I remember we were in a pool. This was supervised, and he'd be like, "Throw me!" We're like, but you you don't know how throw. So, so we would throw him. And I'm not joking. To another human being in the water, for those of you who are like, uh, and and when you throw someone in the water, they they go under the water. Just so you're clear. And he would pop up, and it would be like, "Are you okay?" And he'd be like, "Do it again." I'm like you are crazy, but he's loved water. And it's one of those things you're like fascinating some of you who are like scientists and and psychologists like i can tell you exactly what's going on david uh and i I'm, i'm not trying to go there i want to bring up something that has everything to do with family that you know but you need to be reminded of we pass on what we focus on and even some of the simple nuances of accidentally doing it, going, we did not raise Titus to love water intentionally. We did not raise Hayden so that he would love vehicles. It was not an agenda. See, now I'm thinking, maybe we should put, like, star athletes and scientists all over, right. Like, I'm now going, oh, my goodness, right? But you know this. We all know this. But we got to pay attention to it. Because some of us right now can think about what was... Uh, Well, frankly, what was passed on to you that you wish wasn't passed on to you. The focus is that your family used to have or or didn't, and you've had to overcome that. You know this truth, but it's time we dwell on it. Uh, The Bible has multiple places, but let me praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord. Now, for those of you who are like, that does not sound joyful, to fear the Lord. Well, fear the Lord is is better said, had reverence for the Lord, understanding his power, his authority, that he is the almighty God. Uh, How joyful are those who fear the Lord and and delight in obeying his commands. Again, some of us are like, I do not delight in following someone else's commands. So why does the Bible say that these people are joyful and, and delighted? Here's why their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. You can call it cause and effect. You can call it whatever you want to. But here's what we we know for certain, that what you decide to pass on is rooted on what you're focusing on as a family. Some of us are alarmed. We're like, oh, no. Because we run into seasons, don't we? Where we're like, I don't like what we've been focusing on, and you don't want to pass that on. Most of us, though, have been thinking about what we wanna pass on. I've got a list, you probably have your own list of what you're hoping to pass on. I, I, I've talked to each of our kids, I want, I want each of our kids to know how to fish. They don't have to like to fish, that's not my concern. They don't have to even catch fish, which is pretty much our story when we go fishing, but I want them to know how. I want them to know how. I, I also want our kids to know how to do their own laundry, (laughs) yep, and it was like, amen, no, no, no. and and listen, listen, it's, it's not, it's not for the sole agenda of making home life easier, okay, Uh, in in fact, uh, recently, um, Hayden was getting ready for the next day, the next day, he was gonna have a football game, and they have to go to school dressed up for, for those games, and he came into our room, he's like, hey, uh, iron my shirt, please, I'm like, that's cool what you just said. I mean, I was like, no, but I will teach you. And so we got the ironing board out, the iron, and I was like, son, it's time. It's time, right? Like, you've got to learn how to iron your own shirt. Now, we have already had this conversation previously, uh, but I'm just, gonna, we're going to revisit it, and, and so we, and I just, we, I walked him through how to iron a shirt, and then Ellie came in and kind of saw this and was watching, like, this is interesting, right? I wonder what's going on, and, and I said, sweetie, I need you to have a seat. There's going to be a day that you have a guy in your life, and you're going to want to marry him. You need to know the criteria, that man needs to know how to do his own laundry, tie his own tie, iron his own clothes, and he needs to know how to fish. (laughs) And she looked at me going, this is a weird conversation, I don't know what to do with this conversation. And I said, if if he knows how to do those things, he could probably have some friends, he can get a job, and he's gonna know how to eat. And that's who daddy's gonna approve of, right?" right? Uh, th- th- I, have, I, have, I have a longer list, just for those of you who are worried. You're like, that's it. That's what our pastor wants to pass on to his children. That's it. No, no, I have a, I have a list, and, and, and I'm going to guess you have your own list of what you're wanting to, well, frankly, to pass on, or what you did pass on as you think about this. I want you to go all the way to the top, and what's at the top of your list? Don't answer out loud. I just want you thinking about it. Perhaps giving some time to dwell on it. Like, like, okay, if you had to prioritize, I mean, many maybe you are going through, yeah, we should have put laundry on there. That was important. We got to have that on the list. But, okay, let's, let's, go, let's go to the top and let's, let's move beyond teaching hygiene and, and basic stuff, right? Let's, let's, let's go further. Let's go further and further and, and go to the top. If you had to, if I forced you to, if it was like, a, "Hey, I really want to know your top answer, your number one answer, I want you coming up with that and thinking about that. What's at the top of your list of what you're wanting to pass on? Most of us take this approach, right? We create a list, and let's go after it. As you're processing what you are either passing on or what you did, I want to bring a guy up that will teach us a lot all about this. His name's Joshua. Joshua is is recorded and talked about in the Bible. He's a real guy that really really happened in fact, he took the reins of leading Israel from Moses. you ever heard of Moses. He was leading and leading and leading and he and it's all accounted for in the Bible if you ever want to read it. But I, I want to bring your attention to I mean, He's a good leader, by the way, but at the end of his leadership, the Bible describes him and I love it. It, it doesn't even doesn't say it eloquently. Basically, when he got old, that's literally what it says. Like, when, when all of a sudden he was an old man, he decided to do a final speech. And think about it. Think about it. Like, the final speech, like, okay, you're calling yourself an old man, going, all right, I'm about done here. I got some stuff to say. Some of us are 25, and you got some stuff to say. This guy was older, and, and called him the old man, and he, he was going to do a speech. And, and in his speech, I think final words are huge, Right? When anyone anyone you like, if you read their final thing, I don't care who the president is, I always want to know what they say at the end. Like what what is it? And I think any kind of leader, what, what at the end, what do you have to say? Because you're probably gonna remove a little bit of the filter, <laughs> which I love that, and you're gonna say it with all of this wisdom, all of this expertise, all of this experience, all of all of this understanding. I got some things to say. So his speech, someone wrote it down, it's in the Bible, and right near the very beginning he says what is most important to him, cling tightly to the Lord your God as you have done until now, think of all the things he can say all of the wonderful things that that would apply and people would be like that's good that you said that that's important think about how he could have focused it entirely on himself right hey here's what we've done yay us cling tightly to the lord i don't think you need me really and i don't plan to to give you a lot of detail to explain what cling tightly means i think you know that and i think this is one of life's battles frankly, is what you and I constantly try to cling to, what you and I are going after. If you even think about it in a family context right now, about all of the moving parts in a family, you've got people going all over the place, you've got people with moods, yeah? No one else? Okay, just our family? You've got, you got things moving, stuff all over. You've got seasons happening, ups and downs. And, and it's so easy for the whole group, how, whoever you would call your family, and you would say, yeah, we're all clinging to a bunch of different things. And, and it begins to break down if you cling to the wrong thing. I'm not going to spend time describing what clinging is. But I do want to talk about what you are clinging to. Because I think that has everything to do with if you're going to build a family that actually lasts. And I think Joshua gave us great wisdom. Cling tightly to the Lord. I, I read a story, it appears to be true, from all I can find, of a guy in Mexico who for a living would sell birds, specifically parrots. But what was fascinating was is how he sold them. Uh, people would go up to him and, and the parrots, the birds would all be on a, on a perch. They, they would literally just be hanging out, chilling like birds do. Now, what was interesting was the same question was brought up all the time to him. This is why I have the story because it was interesting and it, he said almost everyone would come up to him, tourists and locals and be like, they would come and, and there was no cage around the bird. There was no cage, you're like, where's no cage. No string kind of like attached to the leg and like, just hanging out. And people would come up and they would just be like, that's the coolest thing I've seen today. These birds just, you're selling them. And they know they're gonna be sold, I think, kind of. Maybe, I don't know if birds know this. And there's no cage, there's no restriction. And people would always say, how do you keep the birds there? And some would even come to their own conclusions after asking the question. They would say, uh, "Do those birds just love you so much? Like they, you just—they're they, really endeared to you, <laughs> and so they're just—they don't want to leave you." And he would laugh, and he got the question so often. He talked about what he did. He goes like, "No, no, 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 no. I've trained these birds to believe that that perch is where they find safety and security. So he teaches them that this is this is the safest place. This is the best place is to." is to just cling on to this perch. And so he goes, so they don't leave. I find it fascinating because I think think there's a lesson for you and I. I'm not calling you uh, an animal. (laughs) I'm just saying you and I have a similarity. We cling to what makes us feel safe and secure. And and Joshua brings up for you and I to, to at least process that we're supposed to cling, cling tightly to the Lord. And we're like yeah, that's a good church answer. But if you begin to peel it back and, and to get after, like, yeah, I want to do that. Sounds like a good idea. You have to get after it. Well, well why, do, why do most of us have moments that we don't do that? Why, why would we all say, I, I've had moments where, where i am not clinging tightly to God, but I'm telling you, we have a tendency, all of us, think about, think about the things that the people or the, or the things that you've clinged to. They probably brought you a sense of security, safety. Perhaps you found yourself one time, just one time, in a relationship that you, you found out, you're like, I should not be in this. But the idea of ending it and starting a new one and at some other moment, you're like, yeah, that's too much work. Nah, I'm gonna stay with what I know. Some of us have stayed in jobs that we shouldn't have stayed in. Some of us have been in environments and, and with people that we shouldn't have been around. We were, but, but they gave us this sense of safety and security. I, I, think, I think all of us have a tendency to look at what makes us feel Safe and secure, and I want to bring it Because I think Joshua brought it up, and I think God Wants us to really focus on it, is what have You been clinging to, because it's probably Rooted in what you're Craving And the Vast majority of us are Craving A sense of safety Security uh, There's a recent Study that, that came out, and uh, It's interesting, you you probably know some of these details, but they talk about the things that, the cravings that you and I go after. And they've discovered that, that there are many things in life that send the chemical dopamine all throughout our bodies. And we begin to feel these things. And, and, but what's fascinating is the, the same chemical that gets released in our brains and we begin to process stuff. And it makes us feel awesome uh, uh, if, if you win at gambling, or, or at least if you get close to winning at gambling. and um, uh, s- Drugs, um, sex, and, and no joke, social media now. When you, when you post something, for those of you who are on social media, when you, when you post something and someone likes it, they have now discovered, locked on, whether you like what I'm sharing with you right now or not, that it begins to develop, some sort of a chemical begins to run through you, and the same thing that goes on with other things, we begin to crave it, we begin to go like, you know what, that felt awesome, and we begin to go and check our post over and over and over again. There's all of these things in life. All I'm pointing out is that's the newest thing. That's the newest thing. But there's all these other things in life that you and I begin to crave and our cravings become habits and we begin to cling to things that are breaking our families apart. That's what I'm getting at. I actually think that's what Joshua was getting at. That you and I have a tendency to go after safety and security and feelings in ways that are actually destroying all of what we're going after. Here's how Joshua brings it up. Um, If you break the covenant of the Lord your God, he's not leaving what he said earlier. If you break the covenant, if you stop Clinging tightly to the Lord. If you stop, if you're like, I'm tired, or if, if you break the covenant of the Lord your God by worshiping and serving other gods, if you stop clinging tightly to the Lord and start clinging tightly to other things, his anger will burn against you, and you will quickly vanish from the good land he has given you. I mean, at first glance, it seems a bit intense that He's like, if you don't do what I said, do. You're going down. I, I think what he's saying, if you if you and I stop clinging to the Lord tightly and start clinging to other things, here's what he's saying: you're going to lose what you want, God. You're going to lose that safety and security that you actually were going after that that feeling that you were going for. You know, you're going to lose it. And I, the, come on, we all know families. We all know families. Where someone or multiple ones began to cling to other things that had nothing to do with God and that began to be the demise of that family. Great wisdom. Great wisdom. Think about what you've been clinging to. And then Joshua kept doing his speech. (laughs) So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Again, cling cling to the Lord. tightly. Okay. put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you if you refuse to serve the Lord, some of you might at first you might say, "Well, now what?" Right. No. Then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will be the gods of the Amorites and whose land you now live. Sometimes we're like, I don't even know what that is, David. I mean, am I supposed to, were we supposed to know that stuff? No, you need to translate this into your own life. Whatever you've been clinging to, if it hasn't been the Lord, but then he's, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. For as for me and my family, we're gonna cling to the Lord tightly. If you want to build a family to last, if, if you want to be a, a single person, like I don't, I don't have that family thing yet, or, or I'm, I'm, my family's out of the house and it's just me, and like, what do I do here? Th- then you lean into, are you serving the Lord or, or someone else, yourself, your, your job, your pursuit of what, you, you enlisted out. Now, most sermons that a pastor does stop here. And you're not getting that today. Most times it's like, hey, here's what Joshua said. Uh, Cling to the Lord tightly. Yay us. Go do it. And we leave going, no idea what that man was talking about. Like, like, how do you cling on? How, how How do you go after a God you can't see? You can't touch? Like, Can we, let's be this honest amongst ourselves in church that it says, cling to the Lord tightly. You're like, I hear it. I don't get it. It's a great picture. I can put it on the wall, but how do I play this out? And I think there's, you see the deficit in families that we hear it. We know it. I just read to you one of the most popular verses in the whole Bible. Most of us were like, heard that, seen that. Yeah. Yeah. most of us are not applying it most of us are not clinging tightly to the Lord and can I just say it's not a judgment I'm not trying to shame you you know what I think the problem is most pastors stopped the sermon already and said go clean we're like I don't know how like what's that look like tell me a little bit more like finish the sermon help help me so as I'm writing this out, I'm thinking, I think we need to go a little bit further than just cling tightly to the Lord because someone like, was like, no one gave me the example. No, no one passed this on. No one focused on it. I don't know. How do I do this? And I'm so glad you brought this up. So glad. Because I can share with you What the Bible says over and over, what God gives us direction over and over and over and over to do, and what it means to actually, for us and our family to serve the Lord, to cling tightly, what it looks like. How how do you get there if you aren't there? That's where some of us are struggling maybe right now. You're like, I didn't do this. Perhaps you're an empty nester now, and you're like, I didn't do this. It's too late, story's written. You can write a new story if you'd like. You've got still people around you, people that perhaps you work with or go to school with, people that even still live in your home or friends around you that you can still influence greatly if you would give it uh, some attention. So here, here's what God would teach. Expose your family to the presence and power of God. If you want a family that's built to last, if you actually say, you know what? I want to build this to where no matter what storm comes our way, we can, we can withstand the storm. How do I actually cling tightly to the Lord? Like, some instruction, please. Here's the instruction. Expose your family to the presence and power of God. Think about this. Because if you're, if you're going, so he's telling me to take my family to church every week. I know that's, that's not all that I'm saying. See, I think when we lead our families, we need to seize moments, and moments happen, this will blow your minds, uh, moments happen outside of a church building, oftentimes, I know, right? I'm being sarcastic with you, okay? I'm just telling you, uh, most of us are, are at church maybe, maybe for an hour, or a couple hours a, a week, and, and, we, and that's not the only place. God is everywhere. But we've got to, we've got to expose our, our family to the presence and power of God. When, when moments happen, you, you've got to point to it and have those moments where it's like, hey, this is, this is a big deal. Sometimes it just happens. Sometimes you have to uh, make it happen. And uh, I remember our, each of our kids have done this to us. It's frustrating. They'll wake up as school starts and they'll, they'll come into our room. Hey, do we have to go to school today? And it's like, I'll look at kids like, I think they're serious. I I think this is like, this is not, they're not, (laughs) no, they're dead serious. And and we'll we'll have the conversation with these of our kids, yes, you do have to go to school today. And and, and eventually, they stop asking because they learn that we're serious. I bring that up because do you understand that many of us are aggressive at exposing our kids to education? We are aggressive at exposing our kids to different kinds of sports so they can become well-rounded. Many of us are aggressive at exposing our kids to instruments, not loud ones, like the ones that are not very loud, but we, we bring that up with them when I'd ask you to make your list, many of us were like, Oh, I know. I, I want to Think about what you and I are incredibly intentional about exposing our kids to and, and, and our families to and the people around us. Like, you got to know this. Even if you go to a favorite restaurant, you're like, I got to tell other people about this restaurant. Think about what you're intentional about exposing other people to. Are we the same with God? Are we the same with the power and the presence of God, though? Maybe if you are hiking in the hills and, you're going, and you just see the beauty of God, it hits your heart right in that moment. Do you stop everybody and say, hey, cheesy dad moment here, but God's amazing, and point stuff out, or if God provides for you, do you bring it up with the people in your home and say, you've got to hear how God has provided for us or how God has healed this person? or You've, you've got to. Because if you don't, maybe if you're part of a good church, you'll get that, but what else? We're, there's, there's no conversation in our home. Hey, uh, hey, Dad, are we going to church this weekend? And you, you need to know that this goes well beyond what I do with my life. But when we gather, according to God, when we gather, when, when multiple people gather, something supernatural happens. I don't know if you've ever read that part of the Bible where it talks about where there are multiple people gathering in the name of God. There's something supernatural. So you better believe that our family, even if I'm not preaching or if we're on vacation, we make it a major priority to gather so that we can talk about God and experience the presence of God. Because as soon as they leave my home, I can't do that as much with them. And I challenge you, if you are leading your home, if you're a grandparent, a foster parent, any kind of leader in your home, consider how well are you doing at exposing the people in your home to the power and presence of God? Or are you letting it happen by chance? It's not a good model. You need to take it a step further. Expose your family to the thrill of being used by God. If you want to amp things up, <laughs> then promote in your home being used by God. And if, you, if this is a new term, like used, what's that? Letting God actually be a part of your life so that you can help other people know who He is. I don't think personally there are many greater thrills than being used by God to help someone else know who God is. It has become a priority in our home that we focus on this. I've told many stories. I'm going to repeat some of them. Recently, the students led all the services. And at our West location, my son got to play drums and help lead us in worship. And you better believe I was over off the side video and going, this is so stinking awesome. Such a proud dad moment because he was being used by God. He went on his first mission trip this past summer to another country. We had to get a passport. When he got back, hey man, how was it? I think it changed my life, the thrill of being used by God. My daughter has served in our kids' ministry multiple times. We as a family believe it's so necessary to serve in the church and outside of the church, helping serve meals to people who don't have meals. There is a thrill of being used by God. Are you exposing your family to the thrill of being used by God? I find it fascinating that Jesus taught his disciples a way to live by using them. He literally said, hey, I don't know, you, know <laughs> you haven't really preached much or done much of this, and you're not even sure if you believe in me as your Savior or your Messiah, but I need you to go preach that, and he would send them out. <laughs> they were like, what? The thrill of being used by God in those experiences, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I bet if I asked you how, how many people have seen miracles in their lives, you know, not, not a whole lot of people would raise their hands. And I wonder if many of us have not seen miracles because no one exposes to the thrill of being used by God when we were young. I started off talking to you about a, about a list. Like what's your list and what's at the top of your list? I did that on purpose. That's often my approach in life. I love lists and I'm like, let's knock this list out. I love like, give me top three, let's do this and, and I love a list, I love a good list, a list is, is brilliant for, for crafting your behavior, To uh, rules, rule one, rule two, rule three, whatever, the, the lists are good for that. And, and lists, sometimes we, we take it as a tactic to live life, like the list, the problem with the list is it's not great for a relationship, it's a list. And if you think about a list, typically you do what? One, then you do another one, and then you do another one. And that's not how life works, does it? At least not for our family. It's like multiple things, right? Moving at the same time. You know what life's more like? What I told you about our kids' nurseries. Where it's not necessarily a list. It's an environment that you surround the people that you live with with. It's what you make sure that your life is saturated in. It's not necessarily a list that where you say, I'm gonna put God first and then I'm gonna go do this and this won't involve God and and number three won't involve God and number four won't involve God and you try to return back to number one occasionally. No, it's an environment where we are actively trying to saturate our whole life as a family in the power and presence of God trying to saturate. So if you want the the final thing, let let, let me boil it all down. Here here you go. Here's what I think the Bible says and what God says. If if you're leading a family, if you have any kind of impact on roommates, or, or maybe this is just for you, build an environment that clings to Jesus before anything else. The regular conversations we have in our home, and I'm not suggesting at all that we have parenting nailed, okay? But I am telling you that I have long been convicted by this concept of clinging to the Lord tightly. I have been convicted by if we're going to have kids and if I'm going to be married, that's a whole nother conversation. If I'm going to do this well, then I'm going to apply what the Bible says and I'm going to cling tightly to the Lord and I'm going to teach that to those around me and it's not necessary sermons. This will shock you. My kids do not love my sermons at home. And they're good. They're good. They're amazing. But you know what resonates with them? The environment that we set. That we have the hard conversations and we include God into all the conversations. When we make decisions, we include God in those conversations. If there's one thing that I hold as my responsibility as a member of a family, Is that I can expose them to the most amazing God. If I do that, then I win. If you want to build a family to last, take what Joshua said, final words, cling to the Lord tightly, and decide for your home if that's going to be something that's of value. Build it to last. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, I think statistically, we're pretty split. Many of us come from homes that did not last. But there is a major mixture of us who come from just homes that weren't great and some that were fantastic God, would you begin to do healing in each of our lives, no matter what we did experience? God, would you do healing in our lives so that we can write a new story? Or for the families who uh, haven't been clinging to you, would you just shower them with grace and mercy? I think all of us, Lord, actually need that. Lord, prompt us when we forget that you are the safest and most secure thing we could ever cling to. Lord, thanks for giving us multiple chances, multiple opportunities to lead and influence. Lord, we declare to you that we need you and we want you. Be a part of our lives, be a part of our families. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.